Okay, we're reading uh, from Luke 24, starting at verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood amongst them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, or why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and prophet and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witness to of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Thank you, Sarah. And good morning, everyone. My name is Jack, and a very happy Easter to you. It is wonderful to be with you on such a happy day. As we begin, I want to start, though, by noting that sometimes we can feel a little like in life there are things which are sounding perhaps too good to be true. So kids, for a moment, I want you to imagine, just for a second, imagine that someone were to tell you that a little later after church, there is going to be a field full of cream eggs out there outside church, ripe for the taking. Not right now, a little later on. If I were to say something like that to you, does that sound like, well, yeah, right, that doesn't normally happen. That's never happened before. That's a little hard to believe. Really? Just, just out there for anyone to grab? Well, a little later on, you'll have to see just how true that may be for something that sounds so good. Or for the grown-ups, perhaps uh, this may relate, uh, you may relate to this one. A little while ago, six months or so ago, when I was moving to the UK from Australia, one of the things I had to do was work out how we're going to sell our family car. So in the midst of a thousand other things on the to-do list, I eventually found time to put the listing up, we were looking to sell our car, and I was hoping and praying that it might be sold quickly so that we might be able to get on a plane and leave. And what do you know, within five minutes of me putting the ad up online, I had someone get in touch with me and say, hey, I'm really interested, I'd love to buy it as soon as possible, I, I don't really want to worry about it even coming and seeing it, and sorry, I don't have a phone number, so you're not going to be able to call me, but don't even want to haggle, happy to pay the full price. And I thought, wow, this sounds amazing. And then I thought, hang on, this sounds a little, perhaps too amazing. And I googled some of the words of the message. Sure enough, it's a classic scam. I didn't pursue that conversation any further. Just sounded a little too good to be true. And I wonder if in our world where there are all sorts of people who might want to trick us and scam us, that kind of mindset can be something that comes up in our minds even as we come to a day like Easter. We get used to thinking it sounds too good to be true, so it probably is. As we talk about Jesus' resurrection, the man coming back from the dead, maybe you think, is that really possible? 
The normal rule is that people die and that's it, isn't it? Dead people don't come back to life. Hey, Heidi, come up. Dead people do not normally come back to life. That's how it works, isn't it? So Easter, the empty tomb, hope for the future, life forever, can all just sound a little bit too incredible to be credible. Maybe you're here today and that's what you think as a hardened skeptic. You don't believe in Jesus and you're sure that you never will. If that's you, first, thank you for being here. Thank you for being here to to hear us out. Really glad to have you. Maybe you come today and you're just really not sure. You find Jesus intriguing. You'd love to find out more, but you can feel a little far-fetched. Maybe you are a Christian, but sometimes doubts creep into the back of your mind. Did he really rise again? What if I've had it all wrong all this time? Is that a question I'm even allowed to ask? Is that something that if I were to voice and church found out, they would never want to hear from me again? Wherever you are coming from, the first thing that all of us need to hear today is that if you've ever had any of those thoughts, you are in very good company. Because did you know, even Jesus' first disciples, when they first heard the news about the resurrection, they thought it was too good to be true. We're looking at these words from the Bible in Luke chapter 24. They're printed on that handout if you'd like to follow along. And one of the things that strikes me most about this passage is verse 41, that little number 41. Even when the disciples stood face to face with Jesus who had just come back to life, verse 41, they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement. Jesus is standing right there in front of them and they still think, Surely this is too good to be true. These are disciples who weren't easily fooled. They weren't really hoping and expecting that Jesus would rise again and looking for any kind of hallucination to confirm their their gullibility. When they first heard that news, they didn't believe it. They were skeptics, just as we so often are deep down in our hearts. So the invitation today is to bring your skepticism, to bring your doubts Because here at All Saints, we're not afraid of tough questions. We believe that the Bible welcomes your questions because it has good answers. So we're going to see two things briefly from the Bible this morning. Firstly, why we can trust that Jesus really is alive. And second, why it's such good news for us that he is alive. So first, why we can trust it. One of the things the Bible tells us again and again is that when Jesus was raised, he appeared to people. And one of the times where he showed up so that people could see him is this one that we've read. The disciples are all together, and then verse 36, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them, and he said to them, peace be with you. Now, the disciples weren't at all expecting a resurrection, like I said, so they didn't think, oh great, hooray, Jesus is alive. Their first thought is, Ah, it's a ghost. But straight away, Jesus busts the ghost theory. This isn't some kind of hallucination. Jesus is actually there with his own body, flesh and blood. Verse 38, he says to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. Look where the nails went. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. But even then, the disciples are still not sure. So Jesus proves he really is physically with them by 
looking for some food. Verse 42, they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. Now, pop quiz for the kids. Do you think ghosts can eat food? Anyone? No, but Jesus can because he is alive. And you see here Luke, who wrote this, going to great lengths to show us that Jesus was real. He was physical. The disciples, they didn't see a mirage. They didn't see a vision. The Bible's claim is that Jesus physically rose, flesh and blood, that he breathed his last, but then he breathed again. And if you were there in the room, you could have seen it too. You could have seen it with your own eyes and touched him with your own hands. Now, at that point, we often think, well, I wish I'd had the chance to be there in the room. Wouldn't that have been great? Then I would have known for sure, but I didn't get that opportunity. And that's true enough. Yet we still have access to what those disciples saw because they act for us as witnesses. That's what Jesus calls them himself down in verse 48. He says, you are witnesses of these things. In the court case of the resurrection... Jesus' disciples are the ones who are called to testify. And that's what they end up doing for the rest of their lives. These disciples, they travel the world telling people in every culture, every language, that Jesus is alive. They wrote the letters that we have today still in our Bibles saying that Jesus is alive. And most of those men died still teaching that message. They would not stop saying, even with their last breath, Jesus is alive. The question for us is, can we trust their testimony? Are they reliable witnesses who we can depend on? Let me share another story, which is more for the grown-ups this time. There are some famous words from a man named Charles Colson. Charles Colson served as White House Special Counsel to US President Richard Nixon during Watergate, one of the huge corruption scandals of the 20th century, full of cover-ups which saw... Nixon resigned and many of his staffers go to prison. And Charles Colson was one of those who was arrested. Eventually, he too went to prison for his role. But along the way, he came to faith in Jesus Christ. And Charles Colson famously said this, I know the resurrection is a fact and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead And then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Every one of them was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep a lie for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep a lie for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. Jesus' disciples spent their whole lives preaching this message, enduring hatred and suffering and brutal deaths of their own. Who on earth would go through that for something that they knew in their heart was a lie that they had made up? No, the disciples saw Jesus alive. So if you're here today and you are not a believer, I want to ask you, are you willing to consider this evidence? The very first believers started out just where you are too, as sceptics. But they were confronted with evidence that they could not ignore. This Easter, maybe you could take up Luke's gospel in the Bible for yourself and give it a read. Give this carefully researched historical account a look for yourself. 
Because if it's true, it changes everything. Surely that's worth exploring. We here are convinced that Jesus is not dead anymore. He's not a ghost. We can trust that Jesus really is alive. Well, now our second question. It's true, but what does it mean? Why is it such good news that Jesus is alive? Well, Jesus wants his disciples to understand what it is that his resurrection means. And the way that he puts it is that God has this big plan. The whole Bible is about it. It's all been leading up to this moment. Down in verse 46, Jesus says to his friends, This is what was written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. See, Jesus' death did not take him by surprise, and his resurrection wasn't an afterthought. All of this was part of the plan. And now that King Jesus has been raised, the next part of that plan can begin. And that is where we come in. We are part of the plan too, because we get to hear this message. Jesus calls the message, repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now it's a mouthful, isn't it? That needs a bit of unpacking. Repentance means you turn around. Kids, I want you to imagine for a second that you're walking down the street with mum and dad, and they ask you to stay close by you, stay close by them, but instead you decide to run off on your own. Now listen carefully, I'm not saying that is what you should do. You know that's not what you should do. And yet it happens sometimes, doesn't it? Now imagine you're walking down the street off on your own, you run off, and then imagine you step out onto the road by yourself and all of a sudden you look up and there's a car coming, bearing down on you. What do you do? You turn around. Turn around, get back on the footpath and run back to mum and dad. Go back the way you came. That's what repenting looks like. And it's something that all of us need to do when it comes to God. All of us, kids and grown-ups, have this problem that we decide we want to leave God behind. Like we heard in that verse in Isaiah 53 before, we, each of us go to our own way. It's what the Bible calls sin. And it's something we all do. We all go through life hardly giving God a second thought. We go about life doing first and foremost what we might want to do. When God is the one who made us, who's good, who gave us life, who knows what's best for us, and we decide we know better. And in the process we reject him, we hurt one another, we damage the world God's given us to look after. The Bible tells us that for all of that, God will hold us accountable. All of us deserve death and judgment for our sins. But the good news is that the king is alive, and now he calls us to repent, to turn around, to turn back from our self-centeredness and to turn back to him, where we will find forgiveness for our sins. If you or I admit that we have gone the wrong way and we turn back to Jesus, then he says... I forgive you. I won't hold it against you. I died in your place. The debt is paid. And I'm alive again. And you get to live with me forever too. And that is why Easter is such good news, because it means that Jesus has tasted death for each one of us. Sorry, Heidi, you've closed my notes. Where have we gone? Jesus faced death head on, 
And he walked out the other side. He faced it so that we might have that promise of life again too. If we repent, if we turn back to him. If today you are convinced that Jesus is alive, maybe it is that you've never bowed the knee to him as your king. And if that's you, then Jesus is calling you today to repent, to turn back. Pray in the quietness of your heart and ask Jesus to be your king. He's listening now. He's ready to hear you. And then come and join us here next Sunday and the Sunday after and find out just how good it is to live with Jesus as your king and know the forgiveness of sins. Now listen, as we draw this to a close, let me give us a way to sum this all up. Heidi, you can come and help me with this if you like. There's a way we can sum this all up with the great symbol of Easter in our time, which is, of course, the egg. Now, as we think about what it is that Easter means, you might have to listen closely, kids, and perhaps if you have guests coming for Sunday lunch yourselves or something like that, maybe you could explain to them what it is that Easter's all about, assuming you have any chocolate eggs still surviving by lunchtime. So we start with the egg. There's four steps here. The first is the whole egg. The egg is the symbol of life. Because Jesus has come to bring each of us new life. He's come to bring us a life that lasts forever. The egg is new life. Now secondly, we put our egg in half and... Let's capture some bits here. Secondly, we can think of the crushed egg. Because Jesus was crushed for us. Just as we heard in our verse earlier. He was crushed for our iniquities. Broken, dead, crushed on the cross, that we might live. But we know that he didn't stay dead. And the hollowness of the egg reminds us that the tomb was empty. Because Jesus' body didn't stay in it. And he walked out of that tomb alive. And then lastly, of course, Heidi, as you know only too well, would you like to have a little taste? (laughs) How does that taste? Great, she says. I'd have to agree. Just like the sweet taste of chocolate, how sweet is the taste of forgiveness that Jesus has brought us through what he did in the cross and the empty tomb? Friends, and especially to those of you who do trust that Jesus is the risen, reigning Lord, can I encourage you this Easter Sunday just to stop and to savour it, to pause And reflect, maybe sometime this afternoon, after lunch, whenever it is, to pause and just bask in the sweetness of sin dealt with, forgiveness achieved. To take a moment to rejoice because death could not hold him and the grave could not keep him. Because Jesus is alive and it's not too good to be true. It is true. That is why it is so good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how good it is to know that our King walked out of that tomb having crushed sin, having defeated death, to promise forgiveness and life to all of us who would come to Him. Father, we praise You for Your victory. We praise You for the gift of new life. We turn to Christ and know that we have life in him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.